Today on Ag News Daily. Corn is going to be the one that guys are going to be most willing to hang on and see what happens with soybeans, unless we have an absolute belly flop. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Madison Honkamp here on the Ag News Daily Podcast, and I am joined by Ms. Delaney Howell. And Delaney, what are those big news headlines that you're seeing today? Well, Madison, there are definitely some headlines that are coming out later this afternoon. We usually record the podcast kind of right before the crop progress reports come out, but I know that that is definitely something folks are going to be watching, especially the markets will be watching mm-hmm. tomorrow. And I'm sure that Mike chatted with Brian Grossman about that here for our Market Monday segment. Mike is in Chicago today, the Windy City, so it's just you and I. But I think that that's one of the big headlines I'm watching later today as well. It was interesting, though. Farm Journal put together a poll of sorts and surveyed about just over a thousand growers asking, you know, what are you doing with your planting decisions this year? Are you going to take prevent plant? Are you going to maybe see some acres roll into soybeans that you were originally intending to plant as corn acres? And according to their survey, 34% of corn growers plan to file for prevent plant payments on at least some of their acres in 2019. But less than half of the growers said they do not plan to file for any prevent plant, while 21% said that they basically are undecided yet. I know in Iowa, we've crossed that threshold of last insurance date for corn growers. We've still got a couple of more, couple more days here for soybeans, I think about a week, two weeks. Um, so we're starting to see insurance come off. I think it's 1% for every day past the deadline mm-hmm. there, but That is really the big question right now and kind of remains to be seen what we're going to see on this afternoon's report. However, I think according to analyst expectations, we're expected to see corn planting somewhere around 70% planted. Soybeans, I think I read somewhere around 35 to 40% planted, so still well behind our usual pace, but we'll definitely update everyone on those numbers tomorrow. Yes, definitely. And, you know, we can only hope that everybody can get uh, those corn and soybeans in that they want to and hopefully uh, see a change in this weather so that we really can get moving forward with planting. I think really this past week we finally had a break in the rain for some folks, so It is going to be pretty interesting to see, will we see quite a bit of pickup in the field? I know I've been watching um, on social media as well as just, you know, driving out and about around Iowa, and there are definitely guys that are trying to just get it in, whether it's good, bad, or otherwise, kind of mudded in is the term Mm -hmm. some folks have been using, so I don't know. It's going to be an interesting growing season, that's for sure. Yes, definitely. And even when you say that being like mudded in and everything, I don't know if um, any of our listeners saw it, but there's like a video on Twitter that farmers are really doing everything to get those, get everything planted. Yeah. And there's like a tornado in the background and there's, they, but they still have the planter going. And um, I don't know, I think that really shows kind of the stamina, what our farmers really have and how they are really determined to get this done. They, that they are, (laughs) that they are very resilient. Yes, definitely. 
Well, I have a few kind of articles coming out from USDA mostly. Um, and the House is back in session, I believe, today. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a lot of hearings going on this week. Um, a trio of House committee hearings are going on, mostly focusing on the USDA. And the Democrats are really showing their majority muscles with um, especially with the Trump administration's um, most contentious agriculture and nutrition proposals. Um, so that actually tomorrow, I believe, is the first one with the House Education and Labor Committee Civil Rights and Human Services Panel. Um, and it will be bringing up lots of like the nutrition policy and really focusing on Purdue's rollback of new school nutrition standards as well as the work requirements for SNAP recipients. Um, I know we have kind of talked about how they are trying to restrict states from waiving those work requirements. And I, the administration um, has really kind of focused on that, but the Democrats are trying to kind of waive that restriction mm-hmm. um, just for those. So we'll kind of keep an eye on that and hopefully have a report tomorrow. Yeah, I think the other big thing that I'm also watching, as you mentioned there, we're seeing them return from their Memorial Day recess. Mm-hmm. The big question that we have yet to see is, will this disaster aid package get passed? And we uh, we watched it last week kind of be grandstand by that freshman summoner from mm-hmm. Texas. But that is definitely, I'm sure, on their list of to-dos this week as well. It's expected that they pick up that disaster aid package and potentially have a vote on it this afternoon and so hopefully we'll have also an update for our listeners on that tomorrow yes definitely and hopefully they can get that figured out as soon as possible yeah it's been quite some time in the making for some folks that have had flooded floods and hurricanes and natural disasters as far back as 2017 so Mm mm-hmm It's been a long time coming, for sure. It has. Another thing that we're watching this week that hasn't really been a long time coming, but I guess comes as no surprise, is President Trump's recent announcement end of last week about imposing a 5% tariff on imports of Mexico starting June 10th. We are seeing folks travel to the U.S. this week from Mexico, a, a delegation of sorts, to try and work through this, they said that they are committed to figuring out an agreement. They will be meeting with Mexico's economy secretary and U.S. Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross. On Wednesday, we're going to see the Secretary of State Mike Pompeo meet with a couple of Mexican delegation folks. So it sounds like they are getting their butts here to the U.S. Mm-hmm. They do not want to see these tariffs go into effect. So they said they're committed to fixing these immigration problems and have done so through some direct action, it sounds like here. I really hope that they can figure this out. I know it is a very good thing that they are kind of taking more initiative and really trying to get the ball rolling on this. Um, And because I know (laughs) they really don't want those tariffs to be um, in place, and I believe that they are expected June 10th. Was that right? Yes. I think mm-hmm. I saw that somewhere. Yep. So I don't know. Hopefully, we can just get this whole thing figured out. 
again, we'll just kind of have to keep our eye on it. Yeah, definitely. But June 10th is right around the corner. And I know the other big kind of uh, contention for this is if we see tariffs go into effect, what's going to happen with the USMCA agreement? Will we see an agreement happen? Will we see NAFTA expire or President Trump pull out of NAFTA? So there's still a lot of unknowns at this point, but definitely something to continue watching. Yes, definitely. Madison, what other news are you watching today? Uh, One thing that kind of stuck out to me, um, we saw that the EPA announced on Friday of the finalization for the E15 rule, Mm -hmm. and a lot of oil refineries are actually kind of pushing back on this in pushing the Clean Air Act. Um, I know it was the original kind of um, reason for the E15 kind of ban for summertime was um, worries about air quality, but we did kind of find that there really isn't any difference from the E15 to E10, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're still trying to push that Clean Air Act, so obviously we're going to keep watching that, see if that has any effect on this rule, but um, I don't know. I saw that stick out and. I kind of, That's always something interesting for me. I find it a little ironic, too, that the oil industry is saying, mm-hmm. oh, we should use this clean air, what is it, the Clean Air Act, because yep. ethanol is polluting the environment, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I think ethanol is polluting the environment way more than ethanol is. Ethanol is polluting just more than ethanol? No, no I'm sorry. <laughs> oil is polluting more than ethanol. Sorry, I got a little tongue tied there. Yeah, definitely. That well, and I think oil is one of the um, main pollutants, right? And yeah, I thought that was a little ironic as well that the oil refineries are are pushing that. They just want to have something to complain about. It's understandable, but uh, doesn't seem like it's based on scientific logic. Exactly. Well, Madison, the only other update I have for folks today is. What's going on in China right now? So we know African swine fever has been a huge disgruntlement for the pork industry, but there's another disease, or it's not really a disease, it's another pest that could be affecting much of China's grain industry. This hasn't really been in the mainstream news yet, but the USDA just released a statement about the fall armyworm, which is spreading rapidly across China. This is a larva pest, easily controlled in the U.S. with BT varieties. However, China doesn't have access to quite as much of that technology. And if they do, it was probably stolen technology. However, it was first reported about five months ago in a field in China and now is spread to 15 different provinces in southern China. It can basically infect corn, rice, wheat, sorghum, sugarcane, cotton, soybeans, and peanuts. So really all of the grains and softs that cotton produces, it sounds like this fall armyworm can infect those. So it sounds like that a mitigation program, even if it is employed, is a very costly measure. It requires a lot of chemicals, etc., and it drags producer margins down pretty heavily, which, of course, China's a communist system there. So uh, the mm-hmm. state has to kind of pay for some of those, even if a producer doesn't make money. We have to see some sort of 
of a reaction or some sort of payment there from the Chinese government. So just something to keep an eye on. Like I said, 15 provinces in the southern part of China, so not a huge impact yet. However, I think if they don't get it under control, it does have the potential to really impact some of their crops this year, maybe putting another leverage point here into our U.S.-Chinese trade negotiations if China has big issues with this and they decide, hmm, okay, maybe we do need to import a little more U.S. product this year. Oh, Lord, China is just having issues this year, it seems like. It does seem like that. But hopefully, yeah, hopefully that can kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say help us, but yeah, maybe even kind of help the U.S. and the trade negotiations yeah, with that. So who knows? Maybe it's still too early to see. Maybe if it's maybe it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't really know anything about the army worm other than what I've read recently. So maybe if there's an agronomist, I know we've got some agronomist folks listening. If you've got anything to share with us about the army worm and how it really is, it really that big of a deal? Is it maybe just something to watch in the back back corner there? Shoot us mm-hmm. a note. On social media at Ag News Daily. But Madison, I'm out of news. What else do you have for us today? That was all I had for today. All right. Well, Madison, let's take a look at the markets for today. And of course, as I mentioned, Brian Grossman is our analyst for today, one of the great folks over there at the Zayner Group. Mike is hanging out with them today. So, uh, Mike, be sure to give them a big hello from us. But if you would like to get a hold of any of them there, have the Zaner Group to have them help you with your marketing strategy. Now's the time to do it, folks. You got to be able to take advantage of some of these rallies going on in the grain markets. Give them a call today at 312-277-0050. Checking out the grains for today. The corn market pulled back just slightly on the day, but definitely gains in the rest of the grains. In the July corn contract, we lost just two and three quarters cent to close at 424 and a quarter of the December new crop down two cents at 441 and three quarters. Soybeans continued with a slightly stronger day. The July contract up a penny and a quarter to end at 879. The November up a penny and a half to close at 906 and a quarter. Wheat was definitely the winner today in the Chicago pits. July contract up 16 and three quarters cent to end at 519 and three quarters. The December up 15 and a half to close at 538 and three quarters. Hopping over into our livestock pits, Mixed dis- mixed decisions today, it seems, in the live and feeder cattle markets. The June contract shed $1.70 to close at one hundred six seventy-seven and a half. The October cut just $0.37.5 cents to close at one hundred three fifty-two. In the feeder cattle pits, some green on the screen with the August contract putting on $0.37.5 cents at one thirty-three fifty. The September up just $0.05 cents to close at one thirty-four twelve and a half. Looking at the lean hog pits, a little bit of red on the screen. The June contract cut 15 cents at 81.57. The July cut $1.40 to close at 84.52 and a half. And rounding out our markets to look at the dairy markets, folks. Again, it's National Dairy Month. So be sure to enjoy some ice cream, some milk, some extra butter this month to support our friends in the dairy industry because they could definitely use it right now. The May contract shed a penny to close at 16.37. The June Shed 18 cents to close at 16.02. Without further ado, let's kick it over to Mike and analyst Brian Grossman for today's Market Monday discussion. 
Well, folks, for today's Hashtag Market Monday, I'm in the conference room of the Zaner Group in downtown Chicago. It is a sunny day out there. There are folks grazing on food truck fair out in the front of the building, and I am sitting with Mr. Brian Grossman from the Zaner Group. Brian, how you doing? Doing pretty good here. How about yourself, Mike? Well, not terrible. Not terrible. Can't complain a bit. We have uh, some movement in the markets today. Not crazy movement. It seems as though we're kind of catching our breath after last week. Yeah. You know, last week we really saw a lot of the spread activity kind of simmer down. We went up to those resistance levels. And corn, uh, looking at the July contract, we're right up against that long-term trend line that held the market back for four years now. We're going to need some real big incentive to push it through. Plus, we have a massive slug of old crop corn coming that is just going to weigh on us yet and with that let's talk old crop because i you're exactly right there are farmers out there with bins full of this stuff we've had a nice rally here how aggressive should growers be in getting that stuff moved if they don't have much of their new crop in the ground yet you know that's going to be a great question of i guess obviously it comes down to do you have the financial ability to sit on this grain or are you going to have to start moving it right now i think call options are a great idea Idea for guys that do have to be moving grain because for the first time in years we have a real possibility of seeing another significant move in the market planted acreage what's planted is planted but what's yield gonna be what right. if we have an early frost right and I mean what's planted is planted Brian from your perspective looking out on the corn belt how many acres are gonna go unplanted or switched out of corn this year what's your gut feel Oh, you know, I think we're going to be somewhere in that 84 million acres planted. How much of that got mudded in? Probably 20 or 30 million acres. So, I mean, is a trend line yield realistic? Everything I was taught in college says no. Right. But last couple of years were surprising. I'll be surprised. So you mentioned buying some call options. Get getting re-ownership, re-establishing that ownership. One of the questions I've got for you, Brian, with volatility the way it is, is it still, does it still pencil to, to invest the money in a call? Uh, yes and no. Um, if you are uh, in that situation where you don't have a lot of grain that's coming, I think you definitely have the uh, good investment to go out and buy mm. those call options because you are going to be saddled up on the idea that you're not going to have that crop. And, uh, you know, just off of that simple fact, you might be able to see, um, uh, you know, just volatility through uh, spreads and such through mm-hmm. that. So you might get... Just even a short window. I'm not calling for corn to run up to six dollars, okay. but even if we made a run to say five fifty for one day, it only takes one day to get out of your position. As long as you get out of your position, right. and that's going to be the biggest key is at what point do you say I've made enough? Now it looks reasonable. Let's take the profit, and everybody's going to have to address that individually, and right. you're going to have to climb that hill of emotions on your own or with somebody that's advising you but that's really the hardest part is your emotions right what do i do and i guarantee it you're gonna kick yourself in 30 seconds for it right when does that that fear switch into greed and then how do you back yourself out of that greediness enough to say hey we got green we got profits on the table let's take them and then readdress maybe again ownership 
at the time. Right, yeah. And, you know, even the biggest opportunity that I see coming for us in all of these rallies is the opportunity to be marketing next year's grain. We have completely misstepped the markets here for the last couple of years, and Mother Nature is giving us an opportunity. And, you know, production-wise, we're not going to walk back our technology. We're not going to walk back the big equipment. So if next year goes back to a normal year, there's nothing saying we're not going to swing for the fences and hit a home run on both crops. Right. So you're how aggressive are you in marketing that Dees 20 corn? Uh, earlier, before we started getting this late, I was thinking getting up to that 30 to 50%. A lot of that's been covered with call options now. Okay. But, uh, you know, if you look at the Dees of 20 contract, it still can't get through that 420 area. So call options are working great for the old crop, but really not uh, serving for what the purpose was to protect the uh, deferred contract sales. Okay. All right. Well, Brian, we got to talk soybeans. we got to new tariffs going into place on Mexico. We've seen soybeans just get knocked around by the trade news. And now, of course, we're getting late enough into the season that I'm starting to hear some planting concerns with soybeans. Yeah. Where's this market going to run, Brian? You know, I think that one comes down to soy meal above everything. And uh, I'm even writing an article about it today mm. on my thoughts for soy meal because uh, China, you know, not a big secret there, but they're going to be looking for a protein source. Are they going to uh, do, uh, say, like the veggie burger or whatever that's no, called? No, they're not. You know, they're not going to go not. that route. But they're, gonna, they're not yuppies. Yeah, they're going to switch to some kind of a different protein. It's going to be U.S. pork. It's going to be poultry. It's going mm -hmm. to be some kind of a meat product. And the U.S. domestically, our soy meal goes into just that. So we have a massive uh, animal industry that could pick up some slack here on uh, any soy meal demand we may lose to South America. Well, let's talk about the crush, Brian. How have we been crushing for meal? Well, that's going to be another big factor. So we're in our seasonal lull right now for us to slow down a little bit. But the May crush was 2 million bushels short of setting another new record. And we know uh, on the 15th, we're going to get our next crush report. And there's really no reason for us to have slowed down crush other than the seasonal norm. Right now, uh, crush margins are trading at like 1,300. Back in April, they were right around a thousand so wow. we've seen a huge move higher on the crush spreads and i think a lot of that is uh strong domestic demand and our exports for meal just remain on fire how worried do we need to be about african swine fever as as it relates to meal consumption in 2019 and 2020 well that is if it's going to spread and now that north korea got it vietnam got it it might be just a question of when does it spread to a couple other mm -hmm. major countries such as the Philippines. Right. Uh, U.S.'s number one destination of soy meal is the Philippines right there. And uh, then tariffs with Mexico. Well, Mexico's number two on soy yeah. meal. So there's a lot of things that could blow up per mm -hmm. se, but uh, you know that is impossible to right. will it spread or not. All we can do is manage the prices we've got today. You know. Brian, how are we managing? Let's talk. Well, how much old crop beans are still out there that need to get moved here as we get into summer 2019? There's going to be a pretty good chunk of old crop beans. We just finished up uh, quarter three of the soybean market year, so we'll get a quarterly grain stock report here at the end of the month. To no surprise, we're going to see another record large uh, stock number. But, um, you know, the other factor that we may see here with this later planted soybean crop is 
what kind of quality of crush are we going to have if we're planting it later south america already beats us quality wise because they have a longer growing season well now we shortened ours up that much more our exports are twenty five percent of our demand but if we cut five to eight percent off of our crush now we don't really need those exports all that much we're going to consume the soybeans granted there's going to be all kinds of discounts and everything Mm -hmm. on them but we're going to consume the soybeans and we'll have to consume more to get that same amount of protein so how do we handle the marketing brian given last week's volatility given where we're at today in the prices are you aggressive getting those uh, those old beans moved off the farm or do you want okay yep yep i think old crop soybeans need to be moving corn is going to be the one that guys are going to be most willing to hang on and mm-hmm. see what happens but soybeans unless we have an absolute belly flop from like 10 foot high diving board we're gonna have way too many soybeans in the world the other thing that we have to think of geopolitically is can south america make a shift to corn because that would reduce it but chances are no they don't have the infrastructure to make a big shift to corn so they're probably going to be better off ramping up their soybean production and try to take any kind of market share that we could be giving up right now and ultimately leave it where South America controls soybeans, North America is in the corn. Absolutely. Now, let's talk about new crop beans. We've got a lot of uh, weather concerns yet ahead of us. We've got a lot of sopping wet fields. As you mentioned, the growing season is getting shorter. How aggressive do you guys need to be? On those uh, November 19 beans. I'm going to go back to the fundamentals of it. We have way too many soybeans. I think guys should be getting aggressive because $9 beans right now looks like a gift in a golden basket. Because two weeks ago, and granted, weather has gone horrible. But I'm still in the mindset that if a field can have a machine operating in it, it will. will. And they're going to get it planted. You bet. All right. $9 beans, we like them. Yes. All right. Now, let's talk about the cattle market, Brian. We've, uh, again, we, let's talk feeder cattle. Tremendous sell-off last week. And I've been on the road. I've been, you know, distracted, so to speak. What precipitated the $7, $8 move to the downside we saw Thursday, Friday of last week? Or, or yeah, Thursday, Friday. Well, we had a really good run-up going into our traditional grilling season. Mm-hmm. And it's just cold everywhere. You know, even my own memorial uh, holiday... I wasn't all that excited to be out hanging around the grill. We had one day out of that three days that we did something. And even then, it wasn't, you know, the traditional long events where you got hot dogs and hamburgers. Here it was hurry up, get it done, and go. Right. So we've missed out on a big chunk of our demand season. And I think there was just a lot of optimism going into this year that, you know, the economy is doing good. We have a lot of money out there, disposable money. Guys or people in general are going to want to go out and spend it on food. Right. But they're not. No. They're not spending it on the beef cuts we need them to be spending it on is what it looks like. It That those choice box values have been weak. Brian, I mean, literally, do you think just getting some warmer temps and some some dads at the grills is going to fire this thing up? I think it's going to be enough to help change the mood, the market Mm. uh, mood in general. Right now, we've really kind of gotten depressed on this. And when everybody's leaning to one side, you keep leaning that way until it tips. And eventually it will tip. And we're just waiting for that period now. All right. Lean hogs. Same story. We had the tremendous run-up. African swine fever. Oh, my gosh. Everybody's buy, 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 buy hogs. We're going to ship them all to China. We've since come way off that peak. This is the game that China is going to play. They did it to us in soybeans for the last 10 years, and now they're going to do it in hogs. If you look at what they've bought, and their, uh, their purchase is like 
400 some percent of yeah. their three-year average and their shipments what they're actually taking delivery on is definitely above their average but nothing compared to their purchases their shipments are just slowly steadily you know it's a very consistent amount every week okay. and if that trend remains they have already way overbought granted there's a long market year come july they might suddenly increase but hmm. Currently, their trend is they are way overbought, and I think they're going to play that market game. They're going to... Order, cancel, buy again lower. Yup, and rock that market back and forth and take advantage of it because that's what they've done in soybeans. Right, and it's worked for them. (laughs) And, you know, President Trump, if you're listening, if you want to stop China doing something, let's stop them doing that somehow. Yeah. I mean... Yes. I, I, don't, I, I don't have the solution. They're a big buyer. You're always going to invite <laughs> right. them back to the table. Their cash is green when it comes. But, huh. Yeah, it's going to be just another one of the ways that they're going to manipulate our market. Mm-hmm. And there's really not a lot we can do about it. There are penalties associated right. with making those cancellations. But, you know, if you can move the market 20 bucks and your penalty was 2 bucks. well, right. yeah, I'll do it all day, every day. Exactly. $18 gains, money in the pocket. Yeah. Um, Brian, before we let you go, how can folks get a hold of you here at Xander? How can they get in touch and, and uh, work with you guys? Absolutely. You can reach me directly at 312-277-0119. I also have a pretty big uh, social media uh, page, uh, Twitter and Facebook. You can find that under the handle of Ag Hedge Brian. I post a lot of uh, a lot of charts, a lot of data, a lot of uh, information in general as to what's going on. Absolutely. Definitely worth a follow. Check him out. Ag Hedge Brian on Twitter is where I follow him. And Facebook as well, apparently. Yeah. But I'm not a 30-year-old soccer mom, so I'm not on uh, Facebook uh, all that often. But, Brian, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Always appreciate your insight. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's always great to talk to you guys. Well, Madison, mm. always great to get on Brian there from Chicago. I personally love going to Chicago and having those chats with him in person, but uh, just good stuff that they always have to share with us. Yes, definitely. We always like to hear different opinions. Yeah, absolutely. Folks, we want to hear your opinions as well. You can get a hold of us, as mentioned earlier, on Facebook or on Twitter. And Madison, I think you're working to hopefully get us up to date on the Instagram world as well. But check us out at Ag News Daily on Twitter and on Facebook or connect with us on our new home. Just head to agnewsdaily.com and it'll bookmark you straight to our new website, globalagnetwork.com. Madison, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go. (laughs) 